Ruth chapter 1. I want to share a message entitled, Tempted to Run, out of uh, Ruth chapter 1. As you're opening your Bibles up there, just a couple of things to remind you about. Our anniversary of our church is coming up. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. Uh, make sure you stop by and sign up for the dinner on Saturday night. We have a concert and dinner Saturday night. That's uh, November the 14th. Uh, the dinner will be at 6 o'clock, so uh, you need to get signed up for that. We are not charging, but we will be taking an offering up that evening to cover expenses. We have the Morels, as a husband and wife, uh, that are coming to sing special music. They play several different instruments. Uh, they do a great job. It's going to be a blessing. So you don't want to miss out on that anniversary dinner on the uh, 14th. And then on Sunday, the 15th, is the anniversary of the church. In the morning, Dr. Shoemaker will be uh, preaching and the Morels will be singing. Uh, then in the evening service, we have a laying on of hands uh, to ordain three, four men, actually, uh, in the gospel ministry. Uh, Dr. Shoemaker will be preaching, of course, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night at 7 o'clock is revival meetings. So plan on being here each of those nights and bring somebody to church with you. Amen. And uh, get them under the preaching of the word of God. And we're praying that there'll be some folks that will get saved. Uh, some folks will be revived and stirred in their faith. And so we'll be sending you, actually this week, I'll be sending a letter out to uh, all, all, every member and regular attender uh, to let you know what's going on. To remind you so you know what the schedule is. We don't want you to miss out on anything. And uh, it's going to be a great time as we celebrate 40 years of uh, ministry here in Tom's River. Tempted to run, Ruth chapter 1 in verse 1 says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, uh, Ephrathites of uh, Bethlehem, Judah. And they came to the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. And they took, the, took them wives of the women of Moab. And the name of the one was Orpah, Orpah and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years in Malon and Chilion, died also, both of them. And the woman was left with her sons uh, and her, well, left, she was left of her two sons and her husband. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. Uh, to be able to study the Word of God. I'm praying now, Lord, you fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you'd help us to learn some practical truths that'll help us in difficult times, Lord, to continue our walk with God and to be able to grow and mature in our relationships with our God and with, with, with one another. And so bless the preaching of the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our text verses, verse 1 and 2, it says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they came un into the country of Moab and continued there. And so Judges chapter 21 and verse 25 provides for us insight to what was going on at this time when uh, Elimelech takes his wife and his two sons down to Moab. Uh, Judges 21 and 5 says, In those days there was no king in Israel, Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And so there was no leadership in Israel. There was just complete open immorality going on in Israel. And uh, so it, we know that as this famine is in the land, uh, there's also the land is filled with all kinds of immorality. And everybody's just doing that which is right in their own eyes. And when I read that, it just almost 
feel like I'm reading a description of the days in which we live in. It seems like we're lacking leadership. It seems like we're just consumed with immorality. We're just living and doing as we feel that we want to do, and it's creating so much chaos. However, famine uh, came in the land, and the famine that came in the land was just not physical suffering that they were going through, but it was an indication that there was spiritual suffering because God was displeased with his people. And uh, it is an impossibility for us to please God when we allow sin to dominate and control our thought process, our actions, our interactions, everyone else. Uh, the land which Jehovah had bestowed upon the children of Israel was a land that was flowing with milk and honey. And it's just interesting that when man started doing that which was right in his own eyes, the land that flowed with milk and honey became a famine. And uh, God is expressing his displeasure because they had neglected to worship their God and they had transgressed the laws of God. And a message titled, Tempted to Run, when problems come and difficulties come upon us, we are tempted to run away from God. We are tempted to ignore what God has commanded us. And uh, we can say, well, just that's the way things are in the world that we live in. No, God's laws are still valid. God's laws are still binding. And God's demands upon us have not changed. And so <clears throat> literally the, the, the time when the judges are ruling was a time that is identified from the death of Joseph, uh, not Joseph, Joshua, uh, until the beginning of the monarchy in Israel. There was just chaos, and so the judge are ruling. And so as a, as a response to these situations, uh, Elimelech decides that he's going to run. Uh, he's going to go down to the land of Moab, and, uh, and so if he thinks it's going to be better off for him to go into the land of Moab. He wants to leave the land Bethlehem Judah the place, house of bread and praise. That's what Bethlehem Judah uh, means. And so he's wanting to leave the house of bread and praise to go down to the place of Moab. And it says that they departed to go down there. Their intentions was not to stay there, but it says they continued. Uh, they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Oftentimes people make decisions they think it's only going to be a temporary decision or a temporary fix for the immediate problem that they're dealing with and they become consumed with it for the rest of their life and it completely destroys them. And so when you're tempted to run, uh, let's look at this and consider some things that tempted them to run and what are some things that we could do to protect ourselves from not running away from God? You know, COVID-19 has caused all kinds of people to run. Uh, people are running and hiding because they're afraid of the, the virus. I understand it's a serious virus, and I'm not trying to downplay it. But the sad thing is that I have to say that because we allow ourselves to be so consumed with fear. If anybody says anything against the fear that we're consumed with, it's, oh, you don't believe that's a real virus. No, I believe it's a real virus. There's real people that are getting sick. What are, do we live our lives running and hiding in corners? Do we, run our, do, do we run and live our lives by running and distrusting God and not believing that God, if we were to get sick, could heal us? I mean, we, are, are we so consumed with fear and manipulated by the world that we're tempted just to run away from church, like church isn't significant or important anymore. Uh, you know, th th it's a real issue. It's a real problem that w we have responded the way Elimelech responded in the days when there was a famine in the land because of God's chastening hand upon his people. I always think, every time I read the book of Ruth, I always think, uh, you know, they went down to Moab because they thought they were going to starve to death in Bethlehem, Judah, because there's a famine in the land. The interesting thing is, is the people who stayed in Bethlehem, Judah did not starve to death. And, but as they run to Moab, what happens in Moab, 
Elimelech and his two sons die in Elimelech. The very thing they were fearing in Bethlehem, Judah, they experienced in Moab. And so oftentimes we allow ourselves to manipulate it and be tempted to run when God wants us to stay in. Uh, notice, first of all, why was he tempted? First of all, he is tempted because of tem temporary success. A temporary success. And his temporary success was a blurred observation of the present. Back in Genesis chapter 13, we'll look at a few verses, then I have some verses I'm going to be putting up on the uh, screen for you. But, but back in Genesis chapter 13 and uh, verse 10, we see this, this whole concept of being blurred in our vision of the present. And uh, Proverbs, I'm um, not Proverbs, Genesis chapter 13. My mind's going ahead of where I'm at, amen? So anyway, Genesis chapter 13 and verse 10 says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, uh, like the uh, land of Egypt, as thou goest unto Zoar a blurred observation of the present. In other words, as Lot would look on Sodom and Gomorrah, he did not have a clear vision or perception of what the land was. He just saw that it was well watered. And because he saw that it was well watered, he thought that was going to be better for him and for his family. And that's the problem with Elimelech. As he saw the famine in Bethlehem, Judah, he looked on the land of Moab and considered it to be something that would be better for his family. And so his observation is blurred. He's, he's not getting a clear picture. Why? Because he was leaving the temporary barren fields. I think I put that on, didn't I? Yeah, I did. He was leaving the temporarily barren fields of Bethlehem for the more protective fields, productive fields of Moab. And uh, what we do is we are looking oftentimes, we look at the difficulties that we have to face in life and we look at what we think is going to be more profitable for us and not realizing that the suffering or the difficulties that we're going through at the very moment where we are is only temporary. And so we change the temporary barrenness for a productive uh, field that's not going to last. And we take no, because our observation, our vision is, is blurred in reference to what really is going on, uh, we make a decision that exposes us for long term. And that's what happened in the life of Lot, and that certainly is what is happening in the life of Elimelech. So be careful about blurred observations in the present. Don't, don't listen. Don't less, let all the news media and let all the, the, the sayings and all the corruption and let all the stuff that is going on to cause you not to see that God is working in spite of what we're doing and what we're experiencing. And so blurred observation in the present, there's an invalid interpretation of the past. You know, Abraham went down to Egypt in Genesis chapter two, 12, and it's just interesting that when he went down to Egypt, it was because of a famine. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 10 tells us, and there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt. Now, this is a common problem as you go through the Bible, that there are famines that come and go. And how are you going to respond when the famine comes is the important thing. And Abraham went to Egypt because of a famine in the land, and what did he do? He got down into Egypt, and Abraham lied about Sarah that ended up being thrown out of Egypt. Now, if you're not careful, you will take on the character of the world in which we are living in if you run to the world rather than standing with Christ. 
And if God be for us, who can stand against us? The famines are things that are common to man. And they go through cycles in the world and throughout history. And we have Abraham ran when the famine came. We have Isaac ran when the famine came. He ran and went to the Philistines in Genesis 26 and verse 1. says that there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. Now you would think Isaac would have learned from the mistakes of his father that he went down into the land uh, when there was a famine and he would have refused to do so. See, the conduct of those that the conduct of Abraham was to be avoided. It was not to be intimidated. Uh, in, intimidated. Uh, it was not to be imitated. Uh, and so we don't look at the mistakes of people in the past and then embrace those mistakes when we go through a famine in the present. And we're tempted to go. Isaac ran down to, to the Philistines. And what happened? Isaac lied and he jeopardized the safety of others that were with him. And so here he is suffering because he's running when there's a famine. I see in Genesis chapter 47 that Jacob went down to Egypt also. And uh, we see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all three of them had problems running when they should have been standing. In uh, Genesis 47 uh, in verse 4, as said, then moreover, uh, said moreover unto Pharaoh, for to sojourn in the land are we come. This is Jacob coming down to Egypt. It says, for thy servants have no pleasure for their a pasture for their flocks, for the famine is sore in the land of Canaan. Now therefore we pray thee, let thy servant dwell in the land of Goshen. And so Jacob went down to uh, Egypt, what happened? Uh, Jacob, Israel, ended up in bondage for 430 years. So when we're tempted to run, remember this, that don't have a, a skewed or invalid perception of what took place in the past. Because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all ran when there was famines in the land. And when they ran for, in the famines of the land, they had denied the consequences of what's going to happen in the future. Because when you're blurred understanding, you're confused about the present, you think things are out of control and there's no way that you can continue on, that there needs to be another place to go or another thing to do, another church to attend, another job to take, whatever it may be, and we take no consideration about God who can bless in the midst of the famines of the land, we have ignored and denied that there are consequences for every action that we do. Amen. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall ye also reap. Lot gained finances when he went to Sodom and Gomorrah, but Lot lost his family. Oh my, how over the years I've seen people get two and three jobs and ignore their children. I've seen over the years how people would be so consumed with trying to get more money and more income and they uh, neglect going to church and they neglect serving the Lord and they neglect uh, leading their family in spiritual things and and they think there's not going to be any consequences. But you don't understand, Pastor, I got these bills. You don't understand I have these problems. You don't understand there's a famine. In you don't understand COVID-19. No, you're not taking in consideration the long-term consequences for the decisions that you make in the present. Lot gained money, but he lost his family. Oh, uh, Abraham and Isaac, gained provision. They went down to Egypt and went over to the Philistines because of the famine. They needed provisions. They went over and gained their provisions, but they lost their reputations uh, because they were mocked by the people of the land. They were mocked and ridiculed because they had lied about who they were and about what their relationship with. Jacob, 
went down to Egypt and Jacob gained safety for his family. And that's what he was concerned about was safety for his family, but he lost his liberty. What, what are we willing to give up? What are we willing to suffer? Are we willing to give up our liberties and our freedoms just to supposedly be able to gain safety or to gain uh, more income? And so temporary success will cause us to run when there's difficulties. Temporary success will cause us to run when there's a famine in the land. And we, when we do that, we ignore the consequences of what's going to happen in the future. Here's a quote for you. Temporary satisfaction does not convert into eternal obligation. And sometimes we say, well, you know, I, I just, you know, I'm just not satisfied where I am. You realize how many, over 35 years of ministry, how many times I've heard people say, well, I'm just not growing in the Lord. That's nobody else's flaw but yours. Amen. Temporary satisfaction. I, I just got to get some temporary. You don't understand. I just got to take a break. I'm just stressed out with everything. I got I to take a break. Take a break. Temporary satisfaction, it never equates to and develops an eternal obligation. It always causes you to stumble and fall and to lose and Elimelech, when he left Bethlehem, Judah, took no consideration of what it was going to really be like living in Moab. And whenever we, our kids want to be out in the world, you say, well, I just, you know, my kids want that. You know, I, I see it all the time with our Christian school. Kids have been in our school all the way through. Now they're in the high school, and all of a sudden they want to go to the public school. And, and there's no consideration whatsoever of the influence that's going to happen on, to them. And uh, no, no consideration whatsoever of what the outcome's going to be if you give in to that. Well, I just, temper, I just want, to, I want to be a part of all the activities. I just want to be with my friends. Uh, yeah, but you're not considering what the long-term effect is going to be to be around kids that are ungodly. Hey, we have kids transferring here from the public schools. We got one child this year cursing, cursing. I was talking to him the other day, and he, he told me, he said, Pastor, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying the best that I can to get over it. I said, what is wrong with you that a boy at your age has such vulgar language? Where did that come from? And he said this, I know I'm just a public school kid that's in the Christian school. I said, don't give me that garbage. Don't try to play the victim with me. You can put a watch over your mouth. The Lord can put a watch over your mouth. You can control what you're saying. And so he's struggling with this whole thing. Why? Because that's the environment he came out of. And yet we'll turn around and say, I want my kids to be able to enjoy that type of environment not thinking, not considering what the outcome's going to be. Here's another good quote for you. In entering Canaan, they obeyed the call of God. In leaving it, they followed the dictates of their own self-interest, which was to their own discredit as believers in God. And so the decisions that Elimelech is making has no consideration whatsoever that he is a child of the living God. His decision to go to Moab was solely based upon his own self-interest because there was a famine in the land. Why? Because they were tempted to run. He was tempted to run because of the fact he thought that God couldn't take care of him in Bethlehem, Judah. So there is this temporary success that causes us to want to run. Second thought is this. There's testimonial that is ignored. Elimelech is ignoring the real reality of his testimony to others that are around him. You know that Elimelech means that God is king. And so at the time... At the time when the judges ruled in Israel, 
God would raise up a judge and he would rule in Israel when they would fall, fall into bondage and God would deliver them. The whole time this whole thing is going on and uh, 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 judges are having to rule because of the people were so wicked and so vile, there was a testimony that Elimelech was there. And Elimelech was the testimony that God is king. Uh, they had no king in Israel. They had no leader in Israel. They had no rulers in Israel. The testimony was God was their king. And I think sometimes we forget that, that God is our king. And uh, the royal tribe of Judah in Genesis chapter 49 and verse 10, it says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Uh, the whole time de dealing with and considering the fact that uh, um, uh, there's a royal tribe, Judah, that through them the Messiah would come and he would rule and reign. But yet, yet in the midst of all this that's going on, there's Elimelech. Every time they'd say Elimelech, he'd walk up, hey, Elimelech. And he'd say, he's basically saying, God is king. God is king. Every time they would greet him, they were saying, God is king. And so the royal tribe of Judah testifies to the fact that there's a witness in the land that God is king. Israel, however, served other gods in Judges chapter 2 in uh, verse 12, and that was the problem during the time of the Judges. It says in verse 12, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers and which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods. While there's the testimony, while there's the witness, while Elimelech is there, they're pursuing other gods, but every time they'd say his name, it testified to the fact that Jehovah God was king. What type of testimony do we have? What type of witness do we have uh, in reference to God being king. And of course, in the pride of man, and we already read Gen uh, Judges 21.5, the pride of man, there's always a witness. Man may be doing that which is right in his own eyes, but every time someone greeted Elimelech, they might have been doing that which was right in their own eyes. They had to testify that God is king. If there is something this world needs, it is for believers in Christ to be that living testimonial, being that living witness, if you will, that no matter how bad things are, no matter how strong things are against us, no matter what is positive or what is negative in life, God is still our king and he's still on the throne. He's still in control. So Elimelech means God is king. Naomi means pleasantness or sweetness. And when I think of Naomi as she's leaving out, of course, she'll, as you read through Ruth, she goes out and she comes back. She wants to be called, oh, um, oh, uh, Myra, yes. I couldn't think of the name, amen. Myra, which means bitter. Why? She went out full. She went out blessed. And she went out sweet. But now she's lost everything in Moab and she's coming back bitter and God would have to do a work in her heart to change that but anyway her name Naomi means pleasantness and sweetness and I thought of her life being a testimony of the character of God uh, you know you know the, the Christian shouldn't be the old grumpy person the Christian ought to be the person that's happy the Christian person ought to be the person that's joyful the Christian person ought to be somebody that's pleasant to be around and uh, certainly we, uh, Naomi was, her life, her testimony depicted the character of God, that God is good. And no matter what is going on, uh, there's a famine in the land of Bethlehem, Judah, but God's still good to Bethlehem. He's still good to Israel. He's still good to Elimelech. But as they're departing out to go to Moab, it's because they have forgotten the character of God. And then I thought about the impression of God. And God's impression should be stamped upon us. In other words, people ought to be able to look at us and say, that person is a Christian. 
uh, their life, irregardless of what's going on, they're always happy. I know my wife and I, when we were off the Bible college, we had witnessed to our family, and uh, they were pretty upset about that. And uh, after two years in college, uh, I know my sister-in-law called Joanne, and she told her, she said, you, people, you guys have nothing. You have nothing. You have all kinds of problems. You have this, that, and you own it, but you're always happy. And I remember she told Joanne, she said, I don't know what you got, but I want it. And uh, listen, they may not accept your witness. They may not accept your testimony. They may not accept your preaching the word of God to them. But bless God, they ought to see the impression of God on you. They ought to be able to say, hey, that's Naomi. Man, she's, I'll tell you, she's pleasant. She's sweet. I, I'll tell you one thing. If there's anyone that ever shows forth a testimony of who God is, it's Naomi. And so we need to have that type of impression of God upon us. Well, look in verse 2. And he had, and Ruth, it says he had two sons, Malon and Chilion. Two sons. And as he goes down to uh, Moab, his two sons will die when he's in Moab. Malon means uh, sickly. And so here we go, and you talk about the testimony. They're coming out of Bethlehem, Judah, uh, but the testimony of the sons were that he was sickly. And Chilion means pining. And uh, so that's the next one there, Tommy, pining. Chilion means pining. And so as they get down to Moab, and I'm just wondering if those names were given to them because God in his foreknowledge knew that they were going down there, that when they got into Moab, uh, they would, even though there was no famine in Moab, uh, when they got there, they were not spiritually strong enough to be able to testify of who God is. And literally their character traits depict what it is to run away from the Lord. You run away from God, you get spiritually sick. You run away from God, you, you, you whine, you pine away. When you run away from God, uh, there's nothing positive or exciting to be able to grab a hold of. Uh, your life just kind of fades away, and that's what took place in their life. So, uh, tempted to run uh, because of temporary success. We're tempted to run because of testimony that is ignored. And then I thought of this. The location compared. Because there's two locations uh, mentioned here. There's Bethlehem, Judah, and Moab. And so you can't look at this and consider what them running away from one area and going to the other without considering the two areas. And uh, we talk about Bethlehem, Judah. We know, uh, we know Bethlehem means house of bread. We know Judah means praise. And so here they are, they're at the place of house of bread and praise, but there's a famine in the land. That does not mean that God can't provide for you when there's a famine in the land. Uh, when we went to Bible college, unemployment rate was 17% in Michigan. I had people saying, what are you going up for? There's no jobs up there. Well, how are you going to live? God's going to take care of me. And when you're in the center of the will of God, no matter what's going on in the world around you, God can still feed you and take care of you and stir you to praise him. And so the house of bread. Uh, notice in Bethlehem, Judah, is also the home of Elimelech. That's where he lived. Uh, Elimelech, God is king. It's the home where God is king. And, and what a testimony we can have that we can be in the place where God feeds us and we worship, we praise him, and we enjoy life because we're walking and abiding with the relationship of our king, uh, and king of kings and lord of lords. Not only is it the house of bread and the house of Elimelech, but Bethlehem Judah is the future home of Boaz. And uh, he's going to be mentioned as you get through the chapters and Boaz means in him is strength. And Ruth, of course, will be coming back with Naomi and she'll meet Boaz. And Ruth means friendship. I think I put that on there. Did I put it on there? I didn't put it on. I did. Amen. And I, I remember I put this on a while ago. 
And so here we have just, just thinking of this place. You know, the house of bread and praise where the king, God is king, there's strength in his presence, and there's friendship. And I'll tell you, who would want to leave that? It also is the city of David, according to Luke chapter 2, in reference to the birth of Christ. City of David in reference to the term, in reference to the king that God anointed to be on the throne of, of Israel. It's a city of David. But it's also the promised Messiah. Because thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that shall be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. And so this place where Elimelech is and Naomi is and where their sons are is a place of house of bread and praise where God is king and there's strength and there's friendship. It's the city of David, the throne that God established and the promised Messiah is coming. I don't understand how anybody could leave there. When you get dealing with the circumstances in life and you start looking at the things in life and you start look, being tempted by the world and you start considering the famines that we got to deal with and, and have to struggle to go through, it is easy to forget everything that God has given us where we are. So that's the land of Bethlehem, Judah. What about the land of Moab? Because that's where they're going. Moab, uh, he was able to, from Bethlehem, Judah, to view the land of Moab. Moab was about 30 or 40 miles away in the mountain peaks of Mount Nebo, where Moses had viewed the promised land. And so here is Elimelech, as he's dealing with day-to-day -day, the famine in the land, dealing with the issues in his life, even though his name declares God is king, he's looking. Look at that mountain over there. You know what? There's famine here. I, 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 don't, I didn't hear about any famine over there. And I'm going to tell you, the devil has a way that he takes us when we're where God wants us to be and he's blessing us and he's feeding us and he's stirring us to say, yeah, but look over there. I found one thing with this thing with, with COVID-19 with uh, uh, live stream and all this that, and the other, people getting used to sitting home live streaming, they're looking over there. Oh, what about this preacher? Oh, what about that preacher? Oh, I think I'll watch this message. And then they forget all about their church. Forget about where they're supposed to be. Why? They're looking over there. The devil, know, listen, the devil has done a good job with COVID-19 because I've, I have seen so many people's faith destroyed over the last six, seven months. Why? Because they're looking over there. Notice he ignored the corrupt beginning of Moab. What was the beginnings of Moab? Moab was uh, birthed out of ancestral relationship of Lot with one of his, his daughters. He took that, he didn't take that in consideration. We don't take in consideration that actions or conduct or whatever it may be is birthed out of a carnal mind. We don't take in consideration that the world is fleshly and worldly. We don't take in consideration when we're making decisions for our lives, when we're tempted to run, we're not concerned about where does this come from? Where does Moab come from? We don't take that in consideration at all. He had refused to acknowledge the unkindness of Moab. You read back in Deuteronomy 23, verse 3 and 4. I'm going to tell you, Moab was not kind to Israel. And may I say this, the world is not kind to the Christian. And it is, is becoming more and more difficult 
in reference to uh, um, standing and being a Christian, I, was heard, I listened to a preacher this morning. It was actually Paul Chapel. I was here earlier, and, got, and I was done everything I wanted to do, and I was listening to the message. I didn't realize this. I had not heard this before, but when uh, Franklin Graham had the prayer time down in D.C., uh, when they were walking away from there, there were crowds that were cursing him pushing and shoving on the Christians that were there. Why? Because the world does not want anything to do with the Christian. Judge Barrett right now mocked and ridiculed because of her living or faith. It doesn't matter whether I agree with what her faith is or whatever, but we as a society are comfortable with and embrace Somebody being considered whether they're going to be rejected or, or accepted based on whether they live their faith or they won't live their faith because we don't want any faith. See, Elimelech's taking no consideration. As he gets ready to go to Moab, I'm going down to the city. I'm going to the country that has been completely unkind and aggressive against our people. Then he downplayed the influence of Moab. And may I say this, the world does influence us. It's influencing churches all the time. Churches are becoming more and more entertainment centers. Churches are come, becoming more and more uh, consumed with worldly type of style. Uh, you know, uh, it just, it, it's sickening to my heart. And people see that and, oh, I'm going to go after that. I'm going to go over there. I, I, you know, you're not even considering the influence. You're not even considering the influence at all. So two places, Bethlehem, Judah, or Moab. That's the two choices that we have. When you're tempted to run, that's what goes on. So here, real quickly, what should you do when you're tempted to run? What should you do? Because all of us, I'm going to tell you, every one of us are tempted to run. There's always opportunities come up in our life that kind of shows the devil will say, this will be better for you if you go here or you go there or you just don't, you don't need to be in church and you don't need to be living a godly life. I mean, he's always tempting us. Here it is. Number one, be careful that you're not following man's ways. And oftentimes, that will ha that's what happens uh, when we're tempted to run. It's always because of some individual has tempted us to think that it's better to follow them or to follow the world. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. And may I say, whenever you follow the ways of man, it always ends in death. Always, I could stand up here for the next two hours and read you names of people who have gone through this church in the last 40 years. I can stand up here for the next two hours and you read you names of students that have graduated from Ocean County Christian Academy. And I'm going to tell you their lives are just as ungodly and wicked and vile as can possibly be. Say, so what happened? When they were tempted to run, they ran because they were listening to the ways of man and it has destroyed their life. Number two, when you're tempted to run, be diligent to follow the commands of God. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 33 says, Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you. Why? He says, that ye may live and that it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. Elimelech never considered that. Elimelech decided to follow the ways of man and as a result of it, he and his two sons die. But if he considered to follow the ways and the commands of his God, his life would have been long and he would have been blessed and would have been well with him. Number three, when you're tempted to run, remember that life is more than bread. 
Elimelech was at Bethlehem, the house of bread. Oh, but this is not enough for me. I'm going to go down to Moab. What's the problem? He forgot that life is more than just bread. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, But he answered and said, It is written, Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And I'm going to tell you, if it depends, if success or failure depends on whether I'm going to stay with God, I'm going to stay with God and leave the outcome to him. Why? Because he, God has showed me he can feed me. I don't have any problem eating, amen? God has showed me over the years he can feed me. God has showed me over the years he can pay my bills. And God has shown me when everything seems to be falling apart and seems there's nowhere to turn, that I don't need to follow the will of man. I just need to follow the will of God. So that's what you should do when you're tempted. But what do you do to keep from being tempted? You know, if you are tempted, there's some things that you can do. But what can you do to keep from being tempted? Number one, walk in faith, not by sight. We are spiritual beings. We are not fleshly. We are, if we're fleshly, then we're carnal. And if we're carnal, we're sold under sin. Well, we have to walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 and 8. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. We walk by faith. It doesn't matter whether I live or I die. It doesn't matter what's going on, if I'm blessed, if I lose or whatever. I just need to have faith to believe that God is with me. God is still king. Number two, we need to worship God and not idols. See, the problem with them going to Moab, Moab was a place of idolatry. And when he went down to Moab, he began following idolatrous worship. And so worship God and not idols. Matthew 4.10 says, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And what a, what a short sentence, but a deep meaning as we read through that. That worship, whatever you worship, is what you put worth and value on. You put praise on. And you realize this, that, wait a minute, we are not servants of this world. We're servants of Jesus Christ. And so I'm not going to allow anything to come into my life that takes priority or precedence over my worship, my praise, my lauding, my value of my God. Number three, stand fast and not flee. Stand fast and not flee. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with a yoke of bondage. I've had preacher friends of mine over the years try to tempt me. You know, Mike, you need to let up on this area. You, know, you need to do this. Or, you know, here, here's some good, man, you need to do this video series in your church. And I, I had one guy calling me up and trying to sell me these video series. And I told him, I said, why would I pay you four or $500 for have my people in my church to come in and sit down and put a video in for them to watch somebody on a screen when I can stand up and open up the Bible and preach the word of God? I said, what you're giving to me or you're offering to me is what you're using to make men in the ministry lazy. They need to get along with God and get a message from God and get up and preach it on Sundays and preach it on Wednesday nights. So what do you do when to keep from being tempted to run? Just stand fast. Don't run. Don't flee. The last thought is this. Hold fast to the things that you've learned. You don't need to go after something new. There's nothing new under the sun. So don't go chasing after every wind of doctrine. Uh, hold fast to the things that you have learned. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. 
Elimelech, when the famine came and he was in the land of Bethlehem, Judah, needed to hold on to the reality that his God is able to care for him irregardless of the famine. If God said, get up and go, then you get up and go. But God did not tell him to go. And he needed to stay where he was, stay put, and hold on to the things that he had learned that his God was able. And he would have been able to overcome being tempted to run. Now, listen, let's not fall into the trap of Elimelech. Uh, there's no profit. There's no success. There's no gain. There's no testimony when we're running away from God. And God, I believe, wants to do some great things. I'm excited about our anniversary coming up for our church. I, th I think the greatest days for Ocean County Baptist Church is in the future. I believe God's going to do even greater things than he's done in the past. And I, I really believe that with my heart. I really do. And, uh, and so there's some things we're putting together and, and restructuring things as far as the worship services and all. We'll be letting you know about all that. Just trying to get everybody back together again so that we might be in one place worshiping the Lord and living for God and serving God. And I know God will bless us in a great way. Amen. We don't have to die because of COVID-19. We don't need to die physically. We don't need to die spiritually. We don't have to die as a ministry. I mean, there's so much doom and gloom. People talking about, well, you know, people aren't going to come back to church. Well, churches are going to close their doors. Well, you know, God can't save souls. Oh, how are we going to be? Uh, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm not going to fall into the trap of wanting to run away from what God wants to do. And so don't run. When you're tempted to run, stick with the Lord and hold on. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. Uh, Lord, there's always difficult times that we have to go through, difficult things we need to overcome, uh, questions that we absolutely have no answers to. But God, we know that you're still on the throne, you're still in control, and Lord, you can still bless. And Lord, you, you even through the story of, about Ruth, um, God, when Naomi lost everything, was bitter in her heart, God, you still provided a, a means through which the Redeemer could come. And I'm thankful that Jesus came into this world, and because of that, we could be saved. And so bless us and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God